Welcome to Bickering Peaks, a Twin Peaks podcast that's going to do its absolute damnedest to get out of the business of making Twin Peaks predictions, <laughs> which I think is just necessary after uh, everything we've been through. Aiden's just really upset that his his main prediction that Cooper was going to come back to us fully in part 15 did Didn't not happen. come true. Not even close. Yeah, he's given up. He's given up I'm on done. predictions. I'm done with it. I can't do it anymore. This is why we do ridiculous predictions. Yes, that's, on, on the we're weekend. much better at that. And hey, we nailed that one time with Audrey. So Just that one time. And we kind of, you know, stacked the deck. Yeah, a in, little bit, but little. it worked out. So. I, I'm I'm disagreeing with you about okay. what this, this, I'm going to bicker with you about what our podcast is about. <laughs> All right. This is Bickering Peaks, the Twin Peaks podcast that promises not to crank call you like Jeffries did to Mr. C. What? Oh, uh, oops. Sorry, Philip. I didn't mean to misrepresent you there. I do apologize. So, did you crank call Ray then? I mean, seriously, what is your deal? What is Jeffrey's deal? That's what I really want to know. Yes, that is the central question out of this whole episode. Well, and who's Judy? That's you. But we've been asking that for 25 years. 25 years, years so. you can ask a couple more weeks for sure. Uh, I don't I don't think we're going to get an answer either. No. Um, but we are here to talk about Part 15. There's some fear in letting go. Yes. Our last log lady... Quote. Maybe not though. We've seen things well, so out of order. I know. I I do think this is going to be our felt, last. I think this so. is this was a goodbye. This to, was a goodbye. It uh, was in memory Margaret of Blancherman Margaret Lanterman and Catherine Coulson. Yes, and it was a very moving goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I don't cry a lot during TV or movies or no. generally life. Um, so, <laughs> but I did feel the tug. I, I I it was it was a very emotional scene, a hard scene to watch. It but was. we can, we'll get to it when we yeah. when we discuss it. But um, gen- generally speaking, yes. right out the gate, Aiden, what were your impressions? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a gut it's a gut punching episode. Uh, there's there's some high highs and some low lows, and the mysteries I feel are also fluctuating on that path. There's some really interesting ones that we're kind of getting resolutions to. Yeah. Um, and then there's just more ones being added. I mean, yes, Judy is the big one this week. Yeah. Um, again, we have had that for a long time right uh but it's gotten some new weight here um which is really interesting um but at the same time plot lines do seem to be wrapping up especially las vegas i was saying it last week there's not much left to do in vegas mm-hmm. there's less even after this week mm-hmm. unless dougie's in intensive care um which is a possibility <laughs> yep. um but yeah uh you know uh doppel cooper as well you know he's probably heading to the coordinates at this point he's mm-hmm. he's gone to the dutchman's apparently mm-hmm. um and Twin Peaks is basically wrapping up. They just have to go back to presumably the coordinates again right. the next time. Right. Um, Who has to go back to the coordinates? The, the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department. Right, right. Um, and now we've got Nido has potentially a green-fisted protector by yeah. her side. Yeah. Um, so all characters are literally coming together and coming mm-hmm. closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the one we have to wait and see about is uh, the whole FBI team. Albert, and Audrey. Diane. I I do yes. feel like that hasn't quite reached a, a conclusion yet no. not even a satisfying conclusion just any conclusion it, it hasn't really tied in it, well it's been it's been way. bubbling and circling it's it's yeah. really rehashing the same like, a, like piece you know coffee over. you've left in your percolator too long yeah. just keeps bubbling with that fish burning just keeps going uh, <laughs> with that fish or with jeffrey's <laughs> yeah I exactly yeah. You want to talk about however it. you want to describe it <laughs> uh, i also thought it was a beautifully shot episode uh the music was amazing yeah. again uh 
sound design as always i mean all the stylic stylistic uh, aspects of the show on full display in this episode mm-hmm. absolutely and uh, i love that um and plus we got mark frost's beautiful return to the screen yeah cyril so, pons returned yeah. to uh to twin peaks if he ever left yeah i don't think he did i think he's a resident because he knew I, exactly I, I think he lives in fat trout right but it's sad that yeah. he was a, a news reporter at, at one point back in 1989 and the downturn and the downturn that it hit everybody journalistic hard. media mm-hmm. i think it's a small media journalism small critique of, of that perhaps um, what were your thoughts? Sorry. I I felt panicky after this episode. I really felt unsettled, and it wasn't because the storylines necessarily were unsettling, but it felt like I'm really starting to feel the crunch. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's only three hours left now, and where the hell are these stories going? And I I still have faith that that they're going to pull something together out of all these threads. I don't think it's going to be. Um, like a neat and tidy solution. I never thought it would be, but I, but I'm worried that it's not going. It's I, I am worried that it's going to be like a cliffhanger ending, and I am starting to feel that like anxiety of are we going to have another you know Twin Peaks season two head <laughs> crash into the mirror and we're left dangling. I really like. Uh, I I don't I, think that's yeah. that's what. I hope that's not what's going to happen. But that's but what I do it feels like, like that's still a possibility. Yeah, three hours and out, I yeah. didn't feel that before this episode. So I don't know hmm. if that's because we are just coming down to the wire, and there's there are only two weeks left, and um, it doesn't seem like that's a lot of time to wrap things up. But uh, maybe we just need to refocus on on the storylines that matter, and it seems like that's what this episode has been doing. Yeah, or what been part fifteen did potentially wrapping up quite a few ones for sure. Because there's and, and it wrapped up for better or for worse, like you know, with the Norman Ed storyline, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about as well. But uh, it felt a little off to me, um, as much as I loved it, and uh, with obviously with with Margaret and her goodbye, mm-hmm. that storyline seems to be at an end. So. And then, yeah, like you said, with with uh, Freddie being in jail now, mm-hmm. um, and Nido in jail as well, there's something happening there. Yeah. But and and then obviously, yeah, with Mister C and his storyline, where it, it does seem like he's, they're all going to be converging on Twin Peaks. So, so maybe the the important storylines are starting to coalesce around one another, in a way that we can't see yet, but that is going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm going to echo also what you said about how beautifully shot it was, how artfully the sound was uh, constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It really has lived up. Every week has been monumentally phenomenal. Yeah. I need a thesaurus to come up with more words <laughs> to describe how impressed I am with this show. Yeah. Um, even if some of the storylines felt a little flat to me, I still feel like it was... It's very watchable. Yeah. Even, even in the even in the sweeping scenes, you know, there's yeah. something about it that you can still just appreciate the aesthetic of it. That's exactly um, it. It's the aesthetic. Yeah. It's the aesthetic of Twin Peaks that that, and it's the aesthetic of the return too. It's well, not. Yeah, exactly. Like that. It's. I feel like it's the Twin Peaks that they always wanted to film. Sure. And the technology is finally caught up, and exactly. the medium, and you know, the the audience yes. really has been prepared to see. Uh, the world that yeah David Lynch always wanted to film so and and the yeah. stories that that they always wanted to tell yeah. so um, it'll be I, I still think it's going to be really interesting to watch this all um, come out well and and in sequence mm-hmm. you know all at once or in two big chunks or three big chunks um, somebody else brought it up online today that Kyle McLaughlin's performance in this episode especially with the cake eating scene. Mm-hmm. 
uh, how restrained it is and how artfully he he acts eating a cake Mm -hmm. and how it's something that could be uh, taught in acting classes yeah. you know yeah. um, this is a, a reddit thread and I wish I would have copied it down because I and then I would have read it out to you perfectly I'll try and find the link and put it up in the in the on the landing page on SoundCloud but um, yeah it was just it, it, you know like acting with his facial muscles yeah. and stuff like it was it's really great to watch and and the fact that he's kept that up throughout you know 15 hours of well, obviously he hasn't been in 15 hours total but I mean and they filmed all these scenes probably pretty close together. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a little bit easier than than we think, but it's still no, nonetheless the way an he's impressive nailed thing. Each character has been really impressive. You, yeah. you forget that you're watching the same actor play. Yeah. all Dougie these parts. And, well, Dougie and Mister. We haven't seen much of. No, Cooper. we saw so he's really we been, saw Dougie Jones okay, at the beginning, and we did see Cooper at the beginning. Yes, sure, but I mean, yeah. even those characters feel mm-hmm. constructed and whole in a way that um, yeah. I don't know other actors who could pull that off. Yeah. 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 No, so he's it's done really a great good. job. Absolutely. Yes, we did. Opening scene. Mm-hmm. We have a moving shot, a, mm-hmm. a moving shot into Twin Peaks, which felt very interesting to me. It was like we were moving towards Twin Peaks. It kind of fits yeah. with with the thesis of the the opening <laughs> minutes of our podcast here, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that things are are converging yeah. on on the town, and we finally see both peaks. I think up until this point, you just saw the one mountain yeah, in most it's of a these establishing and, the shots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we come up over the trees, and we see both of the peaks yeah. presumably that Twin Peaks is named after and uh, and that was really kind of cool it was it's a twist on that establishing shot that, that we've gotten kind of used to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is a new one that they just throw in exactly so it feels important mm-hmm. uh, and then we follow that shot in and there's some owls and hooting again just because of course there is mm-hmm. um, but we follow in and it's Nadine mm-hmm. walking along the side of the road golden shovel on her shoulder yep. Uh, and she's got purpose. She's walking. I love uh, that Wendy Roby has, you know, captured uh, Nadine so perfectly because this is the same yeah. walk she had 25 years ago. Yeah. She hasn't forgotten a single muscle movement. Yeah. She She's just nailed it. Um, this is the Nadine, the cheerleader, and, or not cheerleader, well, yeah, wrestling yeah. and cheerleader. Yeah. This is a uh, superpowered Nadine. But humanized uh, once again. But also in down. that in that way that she's marching, it's it brings to mind like the whole foot soldier idea yes, that she talked exactly. about with Doctor Amp, with yeah. Jacoby the other day, and so it's it's very purposeful and it's very deliberate, uh, which is the same word as purposeful. I think. Yep, it? So, you got. God that, damn it! I really need is th- coming to you soon. A Thessarus, Aiden. Thessarus. Really, we're gonna go back to this. We're gonna go to Thessarus town. Oh uh, my god! But anyways, uh, she continues on. And by the way, the cars seem to be driving on the wrong side of the road yeah, at one point. The, I, I thought noticed. I, I saw some discussion about this too online that um, some shots exist, uh, or there are shots that you can see where the cars are driving on the right side. But then it seems like that one from, shot, when they're yeah. shot when they're shooting her from the front, the cars are driving on the other side, and obviously. The, the obvious answer to me is that they just left room for the camera and mm-hmm. equipment and the actors and yeah. the crew. Um, they left the road open, but then they... But then there are other like shots continuity where... to just leave in like that. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick my nose out, stick my neck out. I'm going to say alternate reality where people in Twin Peaks <laughs> drive on the wrong side of the road. Sure, of course. Just like in every, England. Every, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For that one I second. I am totally shitting you. I really hope so. Okay. Um, anyways, she approaches Ed at the gas farm. Yes. And she sets him free. Uh, yeah. Is this quick, quick and dirty of it? Um, you know, she she kind of fesses up for something that really intrigued us when we watched the original series was you know Nadine w- was hurt. Yes. You know, she she had a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, a lot of mental instability, presumably. 
and so we always we talked a lot about how is she really exploiting Ed? Not really. She seemed to really love him, and she just she needed him, and she yeah. needed his support. So yeah. of course she wouldn't want uh, Ed to go off with Norma. Right. Um, but here she kind of, I, and it, it's hard to really judge this scene. I mm-hmm. feel like uh, a key phrase or a key line is the one that Ed gives to her. Nadine, I want you to think real hard about what you're saying because you're not making any sense. Honey, tomorrow you're going to wish you never said these things. So is she going to regret this in the morning? Uh, I mean, she says that she's of sound mind. She's walked a long way. She's had a lot of time to think about it. But but that, it, it's it's fleeting. I mean, this is not two years that she's been thinking about this. And I feel this. like this is this is kind of rushed, mm-hmm. right? Because we haven't even had... This is the first interaction that Between Ed and them. Nadine have had in, in are, the are entire... They, are they, I had all sorts of questions. Are they living together? Like, how... Well, what's... presumably, like, I think we've been left to assume all these things. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they are living together. Or okay. at least living on the same property or something. Yeah. But okay. I, 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 like, there's no reason to believe otherwise. Well, previously they lived right across from Big Ed's gas farm. So he's asking oh, where where is she coming from and stuff. She might have been coming from her store. Yeah, I, presumably, right? right? Yeah. Down I'm just, in town. I'm just saying there's still lots of questions and, and uncertainties about this. I, I feel like Ed basing his actions on Nadine's wants and desires at in the moment, moment yeah. is never really worked out for him. Right. And I don't know if we're supposed to well, assume that they will work. And out that's here. why I wondered, you know, when we when his story continues on, I was like, this felt a lot like when Nadine said said something very similar in in season two yeah. when she was going to go off with Mike and they were going to be happy and and she then wanted, Ed could be with Norma and together, yeah. So, but then that backfired right away as well. So, I mean, okay, so Nadine finished off season two remembering who she was and coming back to her senses. So now it's 25 years after that. She's had a whole 25 years to to mature and grow. I, like, I don't know where she is, but it did feel... The parallels between that made me very mm-hmm. uneasy. And so I didn't really think that Ed was going to follow through on it. Um, I also suspected that Nadine was going to hit him with the shovel. Yeah, that was my like, first thought. I thought this was going to be how she frees him. Like, She's going to knock him out. And I then, know you still love Norma. Boom, yeah. and that's the end of it. <laughs> I mean, right? that wouldn't have made any sense, but... Neither does Jeffrey's in a teapot. No, so. well, and really neither does this because so far all we've got of Norma is her and Doctor Amp, sure. and it's been. You mean Nadine? Nadine, sorry, yeah. I keep saying her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nadine and Doctor Jacoby have had this thing, which is really more about like a political call to action more than anything well, personal. On, on Doctor Amp's side, yes, I think Nadine has taken has taken message it a certain way. Yes, she's, she's literally trying to get out of the shit of her life. But then she says, it is one of the best parts of her life. He was a saint to her. Mm -hmm. So why would she shovel him out? Well, because love means giving the other person what makes them happy. I totally, I get it. I'm just saying there's a lot of uh, conflicting messages being sent here. And we have not got a single glimpse into their relationship thus far. Um, So having this show pop up, um, it reminded me of something uh, Peggy Lipton said uh, when... The, when they were promoing, promoing the return right yeah. before it aired, uh, where she said, you know, it, it didn't change anything. This is the Twin Peaks that people wanted and were used to because mm-hmm. that's what fans want. She obviously did not read the whole script because that's not at all what the series is like. But her scenes do have that that same feel. And does that bother you then? Because I was thinking about this mm-hmm. too, that this feels like fan service. Mm-hmm. This feels like... Uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost said, you know, the fans really want Ed and Norman to be together, so we're going to engineer a way for that to happen and throw it in at the 11th hour, the 15th hour, technically, and just roll with it. 
And I'm not sure that that's that that is the Twin Peaks that I expected or wanted. No, and it might not be. Right. And this is the thing. It is. There's still three hours left. Terrible things can happen in three hours. It took (laughs) it took Nadine like 20 seconds at the end of season two to to mess this up previously. So it could happen again. Something else could come up. My thoughts is that uh, and I said this during our live tweet uh, tweet tweet cast live cast live casting. We talked last night online for a bit (laughs) um, and. My thing was that Twin Peaks is really absconded with all the soap opera elements mm-hmm. from the original series, except for Ed and Norma. Right. And even here, it's been very fleeting. I mean, you had a little bit of Bobby and Shelley, mm-hmm. a little bit. James even has a has a weird love interest. Some of Audrey's something. stuff feel a little bit soapy in yeah, a sense. Yeah, the way they talk about so many different characters and all their mm-hmm. uh, weird contextual relations and everything Well, and like also that. the way that it's shot. And yes. if you ever watch a soap opera, yes. it's like Just very simple blocking. And yes, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean... They've definitely been toned down, but here we get just a huge dose of soap opera, yeah. and it's uh, it seems a little too perfect for for Twin Peaks. Right. You know, I feel like there's something lurking there. I'm gonna make a prediction. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying something bad could happen still, um, and that's that's kind of hard to hard to fathom at this point because right. again, there's three hours. We might never see these characters again, and I really hope we don't because I hope that Ed and Norma are just happy together forever. Um, and this is the last we see of them. Oh, well, we're not even there yet. We're not even there yet. But we're heading in that direction. We, we go right away to the double R and we see Ed drive up and we hear the opening chords or the opening live strains of uh, Otis Redding's I've Been Loving You Too Long. And we hear the audience cheering and we, we get this build up this for build Ed. Up. He's going to march into the double R just like he did so many times in season one and two. And he waves at Norma just like he did so many times in season one and two. And he comes around the corner and she meets him with a smile and he says, Nadine has let me, let me be free. Yeah. And she says, Ed, I'm, I'm so sorry. Walter's here. And wow. there was a collective <laughs> gasp, I think, from everybody on Twin Peaks Twitter uh, and the fans everywhere. Um, just no, it was all a heart the air clutch. sucked yes. out of the room because uh, was this going to be the end Ed of let Ed down Norma? again? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it seemed that way. It did, and then uh, we get this conversation that Walter and Norma have with um, yeah. with regard to her her franchise that she's giving up ownership of. Um, in order to focus on her family, which was yes. a really interesting... Very interesting. Because, because especially what Walter said, yeah. I thought you didn't have any family. Yeah. You told me you didn't have any family. She says, no, I do, and I want to spend more time with them, yes. blah, 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 and I just want to keep the one diner. You'll buy me out of all the other ones, and that'll probably be my retirement fund sure. kind of thing, right? So what did what does that mean? I, I, I mean, a lot of know. people... Her <laughs> saying she doesn't have a family, to me, feels like a direct, a yes. direct comment on Annie. Yes. Because Annie was her family. She mm-hmm. had a mom, yep. in, in, uh, even though she didn't yeah. like her mom very yes, much. Yes, and presumably her mom, her mom might has be, been older. And, yeah, she, or she's died yeah, already, died, yeah. if we're talking about Vivian yeah. and Ernie. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about Annie? Mm-hmm. So if she has no family, is Annie... Did Annie ever exist? Is Annie dead now? Well, she's and, not referring to her, or and, she hasn't referred to her to Walter anyway. No, no. Well, so, yeah, exactly. And that's the real question is, why does Walter think she doesn't have any family? Yes. Is it just a passing thing he got it wrong? Or is this... Perhaps well, a portent of something odd and strange that, think, that we saw in Secret History. I think more likely it's just Norma referencing the family that she's built, which is that, mm-hmm. you know, with Shelly, yeah, who I always thought yeah. was like a sister or mother-daughter mother, daughter, yeah. sort of yeah. relationship. 
Ed, her customers, mm-hmm. her line cooks, her delivery yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, this is her family. Yeah. The people of Twin Peaks is her family, which, again, makes this feel a little bit on the nose and fan service to me, mm-hmm. but... Um, but I'm willing to let it slide because it is, it's just such a nice it is. scene. And and, it, and this one felt earned because we had the previous scene with, with Norma where she was pushing back on Walter saying, no, I, I run my business how I want. I'm glad that the other ones are doing well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's some things I'm not willing to change for the double R because yeah. it's it's such a cultural institution in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, so this felt totally normal. Like, yes, this is Nadine deciding, you know what? No. Norma. This is Norma yeah. deciding. Norma deciding that she doesn't want to go down this path right. with Walter anymore. Um, and or with the diner. She she wants to simplify things. Exactly. Right? Well, but I think it's supposed to be with Walter's the 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 hidden, not so hidden context because she yeah. she was presumably dating him. That's what yeah. we'd kind of He sent her last. flowers. Yeah, that at day right? or whatever, right? Uh, and so she's pushing him away as well, which mm-hmm. leaves the room open for Ed. And as soon as we watch that, we know that. But Ed did not know that, though. No, I so, don't think so. So he, he sits at the counter. Well, first of all, sorry, I just have to say, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. Like, oh, I honestly thought, like, really? she turned him down and that was it for Ed. We were, we were going to see another death on, oh my God. on camera. Because especially the way he, like, he reaches out for the table mm. and, and the counter and then he has to sit himself down. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he survives and he, he almost goes into a meditative well, so, trance. Yes, he orders a coffee and has for, under his breath, a cyanide tablet. Yeah. Um, it's, like, fucking dark, right? Um but then, yeah, he, he does. He closes his eyes. And we only hear Otis Redding's yeah. song while his eyes are closed and we're watching him. So, and, and and when it cuts back to normal, we don't hear that. And this music swells when she comes over and puts her hand mm-hmm. on his shoulder. And and they have this tender kiss. He asks her to marry him. And she says, yes. Again. Again. <laughs> and Shelly's watching with her coffee pot, yeah. tears in her eyes. And it's it's... That was another fan servicey moment that I didn't really give a shit about because I was like, I love this so much. Yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't care if it's fan service. <laughs> but I did want to ask you, what did you think about the fact that he had his eyes closed the whole time? Mm. Because some people have started wondering if this was a dream, if Ed has dreamed all of this into existence. This is how he hopes things would go, um, or is this some kind of you know he's he's willing these things to happen? Does he have some kind of you know is this the power of meditation? Is this David Lynch personally stepping? putting himself into our lives very directly to say mm-hmm. meditation works. Yeah. I mean, I'm the, not yeah, no, that, no, I don't know either, but I mean, it's uh, also, he was uh, playing with fire last episode. So yeah. Perhaps he's become a magician overnight as well. And mm. He's literally willed it into existence. I don't know. I, I feel like it was just to me, the way I read it was, he was this, he was this blues song yeah. about, you know, loving someone for so, so long. Yeah. And, and then the, the, the upswing of the music came when, when when Norma arrived and so to me it was just he was the embodiment of this song and the song is 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 a closed eye you know singing deep from your soul kind of song so he was just channeling something from deep within himself and and that's what allowed it and it does bring bring in more of that diegetic non-diegetic music again because how how far does the song actually go Mm -hmm. we don't see it playing on the jukebox but it certainly seems to have bearing on the scene itself Mm -hmm. in a way that um you know, other other music wouldn't have mm-hmm. if it's just music for our ears only. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really interesting too. I also have to say, Everett McGill pulls out some oh of the most God. beautiful acting. It's just I amazing. mean, the first scene of him in the at the gas station when Nadine leaves, and there's this this heartbreak and hope and 
everything playing yeah. on his face and it it's so gorgeous mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and then again in in the double r you know with the the happiness and then the pain and then you know the the joy when norma finally comes to his side again and peggy lipton again is beautiful as well and and made mm-hmm. with her her turn you know it's yeah. it's it's a, it was a very emotional scene i yeah. can see why why they yeah why people erupted yeah. with happiness for it yeah. But I also can see how it how it plays off as fan service. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, it, it definitely feels like that for now. So again, we'll we'll have to reevaluate this mm-hmm. when we rewatch after eighteen hours. Because um, if this is the last we see of them, then I will be fine with that as well. If it, it's not, I would the not last, be surprised if it's not the last, though. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things you said yesterday is that this might be the start of something that brings them together to the roadhouse for a final scene where some big confrontation happens and and this is what brings them to that place and they needed to be in that place for that final mm-hmm. showdown or yeah, whatever, whatever it is yeah it might not be the roadhouse it might be anywhere it might be yeah, the no, diner exactly. it could be yeah. anything but yeah. uh, the fact that they are together could be an important thing I mean the other fight that Ed and Norma witnessed and Ed participated in the pilot even yeah, uh, which is, has parallels to another scene in this, this episode, episode yeah. as well so yeah. there there may be some some things getting set up there so this scene uh ends with a shot of the blue sky and clouds oh, uh, i love how the clouds were going in different directions though they yeah. were kind of that was really that seemed important in a way it happens you see that but it it also felt kind of unreal in a way well the whole yeah the whole the, the music continues playing over over these shots yes. and it's just it's just wonderful to look at and it feels like this is blue sky this is the this is the culmination of their relationship and that's kind of why I feel like it might be the last time we see him but it also felt a lot like uh, the scene in the Wizard of Oz where the Wicked Witch of the East flies across with her broomstick and you know yeah it 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 didn't that doesn't happen but we do go to some dark shit after this mm-hmm. and it, we get the shot of the power lines that Andy saw in his vision with the fireman last week. And we follow them uh, to a lonely, dark road, and Mr. C driving along in his truck, mm-hmm. and uh, heading presumably to the Dutchman's. Yeah. And that was something interesting, too. We, we didn't really get into it when we talked about the Dutchman, but I mean, I'm thinking the, the most obvious thing to me is the Flying Dutchman, which is the, the ship that would appear to sailors on the, on the open seas and would be a, a portent of doom. If you saw the Flying Dutchman, your ship was going to founder. It's an old sailor's uh, myth. Okay, because I know it from Simpsons. Oh, uh, God. The Flying Dutchman was the all-you-can-eat uh, seafood restaurant that Homer got kicked out of and successfully sued. I think that's what it was called. <laughs> uh, so slightly different interpretations yes, of this Our pop scene. culture references yeah. are slightly yeah, coming slightly, from different angles yeah, here. Absolutely. But, um, but the fact that this is a, a place that, that fades in and out of existence, mm-hmm. as we see, uh, yeah. does lend it some sort of unreal... Or surreal for sure. Or surreal yeah, in yeah. any, but but it's not it's not something that is permanent in a location. It's like the Flying Dutchman; it moves from place to place and is a portent of doom. Uh, yeah, well, it's a bad it's a, it's omen. Yeah. It's not a good thing anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, so yes, and yeah. It, it, the wine, it winds up being well, at least the way Cooper accesses it is through the convenience store that we right. saw with the the woodsman uh, after in part eight in the atomic explosion. Um, it's just there. It's on the side of the road. Yeah, Mr. C pulls up like he's going to go fill up his gas tank. And then, <laughs> Basically, yeah. And uh, a woodsman meets him at the, at the, the gas pumps, Yeah, I guess. I guess. And they walk up the side stairs to, to go... This, above the convenience store. To go above the convenience store. Um, and it's really great because a lot of people were saying, oh, this can't be the convenience store that they're talking about because there is no second level. But um, clearly, these people are not thinking fourth dimensionally. 
<laughs> to borrow a line from the Back, Back to, to the, the Future. Because uh, they just zap in and out of existence they walk up the stairs and they're there yeah. so it's not a literal second floor it's it's well it, it is it's yeah it's it's a physical place above the convenience store it's just yes. you can't see it from our yeah. realm of existence but yes they they go into this place and it is the same location that laura saw in her dream after it's the one that the portrait the portrait the, of the yeah. picture that she got so they from have the, that, the floral print yeah. uh on the walls and everything uh we get a lot of shot of it here uh cooper walk or dc i should say uh walks in there is another woodsman yes. who's dripping oil, blood, yeah. maybe. So that reminded me of the guy that we saw in the... The drunk. The, the, the drunk who yeah. I thought was Billy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it was Billy. Um, so he's repeating all those words in the in the jail cell. And here we get another, another character who's kind of silent, doesn't say anything, but is dripping the same dark oil. Well, it looks like. It looks like yeah, oil. Yeah. Um, so what tell the hell is that going? Yeah. 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 What, is, what is that about? Or is there a link now between the drunk and this character? Potentially. Um, but yeah. But yeah, he, he turns on, I, I don't know if it's a transistor, there's a record player yeah, in inside. one of the shelves. So, yeah, so he turns on the switch, which is similar to what we saw in Fire Walk With Me yes. above the convenience store as well. Um, they flick on a switch and the, the light appears and yeah, there's a... There's a record playing yeah. inside. Well, I don't uh, know if there's a record playing, but there is a, a, re- a turntable. Yes, and it looks like there was a record on it. But okay. in any case, um, and yeah, it looks like some transistors and stuff yeah. inside. Um, and then it seems like it's just a message service because what happens is another woodsman comes yeah. out of the hallway um, to grab Cooper. The first man grabs his walking stick and slams it on the ground. Right. And Like, what? Well, it reminded <laughs> me, in Fire Walk With Me, that same character slaps, well, well it's not woodsman. the same character, a woodsman. Uh, slaps his knee up yeah. and down so it's like the same kind of motion but just with this walking stick and he only, uh, he only does it the once yeah um so i'm not sure if that's some kind of indication of like you said the messaging service if this is you know how he turns off the line of communication yeah, i don't know what that what or, that's or, all about i mean so dc asks i'm i'm looking for philip jeffries or mm-hmm. so he says something similar to that so i kind of thought the switch uh because basically the hallway I feel like that hallway goes wherever you want it yes, to go. So exactly. he's connecting it to uh, the Dutchman's, which is where uh, Philip Jeffries is. Sure. So I felt like maybe that's that's how I interpreted it at least. But yeah, it, it's it's one of those supernatural things that I don't mm-hmm. think we're supposed to question but, too but, much. But on a, on a level of like intuition, when you're watching this scene and you see, you know, they walk down a dark hallway and the scene is kind of overlaid with shots yeah, of the forest as you're traveling through the forest. Um, it did feel like this was not a location but a, a place where many locations go to yeah. right because they do they walk to the the buckhorn the the portal the portal in buckhorn leads them to the staircase that mr c ends up at with the second woodsman yeah, yeah. so so it seems like they were yeah. going to that portal location yeah. yeah above the convenience store seems to exist many many places yeah that 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 and Floral like I said, Prince it's, area is the the hub from yeah, which all the other portals kind of connect. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he went to the farm in Montana, but the coordinates that he got seemed to well. If, where were the coordinates to? Were the coordinates to the convenience store? Yeah, the location I'm not of the convenience sure. store was that. I or were they were they coordinates that would lead him to the the, the room where Jeffries is in. Yes, in which know, case is that room in near the Buckhorn portal? Is that why he had to go to the Buckhorn portal? Is that the only portal that leads to those staircases? There's so many questions that I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this whole, you know, this I, whole sequence. I, I honestly think he just he would know where the convenience store would be at any given point in right. time because or can he call out. it into existence? Yeah, maybe? maybe or something like that. Being a lodge spirit, um, 
and then he I think he's so I think there's two things he's doing first he's going to see Jeffries because he yeah. wants to know why Ray was sent to kill him yeah and then he's going to the coordinates afterwards okay I feel like the coordinates uh, based on what Diane showed us are in Twin Peaks right. this is probably close to Twin Peaks it might be in uh, it might be in a Dakota it might be in Montana but uh, Ray might have changed those coordinates and given him the wrong information exactly too. We, don't, we don't know for sure yet yeah. um, but assuming they are all leading to the same place I feel like as soon as he heard the Dutchman's, he killed Ray. He had the information he needed. He wants to go see Ray first. Yeah. Uh, so then after that, he can go on to okay. the coordinates sure. afterwards. But presumably, yeah, it's really so confusing to tell. Um, in either case, he, he gets another set of coordinates from Jeffries in, in the upcoming scene. I, I have... Okay. You have, you have supporting evidence. Yes, I, I like do. that. Okay. So we'll, we'll get there. But anyway, he, he they go into... Um, after they get up, they get up the stairs and they open the door, they're in um, the like court, a motel yeah. courtyard. Yes, and people have done some online sleuthing, sleuthing of course. Yes, uh, con- kind of confirming. I don't. No, I don't it, see it, it exactly. I've seen the overhead shots and pictures from Firewalk with Me and pictures from last night's part. Uh, it does seem like it's Mount Sai Hotel, that uh, which is where they shot Teresa Banks's mm-hmm. room in, uh, where Leland goes for the. The tryst, yes. and where he meets uh, Laura, or he sees Laura have, and yeah. Ronette and everything. Yeah. So, um, but it happens in a different corner of that same courtyard. This is a different room. It's room eight, mm-hmm. and I guess that took place in yeah, room it was something three else. Yeah, I remember that. Like yeah, that. Um, but anyway, he he goes over to a room. I don't know how he knows that it's that room. Well, the, the, there's a woodsman there, oh, there again, was. and they kind of right. turns and walks with him, and he he kind of goes. It might be also that room eight is where. Yeah. That, like, that's where the portal is to the Dutchman. Sure. Because I feel like this is, again, a real place. Like, he's come out of above the convenience store once again, and he's in a real place. Yes. Near uh, uh, Fat Trout Trailer Park or something right. like that, or near Twin Peaks. Um, and then he's walking to this room, which is accessing the Dutchman's Yes, location. so room eight goes to the Dutchman's. Room six might go to a different Somewhere room else. above the exactly, convenience store. Yeah. Maybe that's the room that we saw yeah. in Fire Walk With Me. Yes. Um, it could be that this motel... The, this Dutchman's place is yeah. more important in a way that we just won't figure out or won't have access to. But yeah, um, uh, but he goes to the door, he jiggles it, can't open it, and then a creepy person appears, of course, because it's she's credited as the bosomy woman, bosomy woman, which, which is I, I great wasn't credit. sure that that was uh, warranted. Um, <laughs> she's kind of she reminded me of of. Mrs. Chalfont slash Tremont. Yeah, as soon as you saw her, you're like, like oh my god, it's Mrs. Tremont. Um, She's played by a male actor, Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't matter because this is a lodge spirit. Clearly she's speaking backwards. She speaks backwards. We can't tell if she moved backwards. It's really hard to tell. Her feet, her feet don't, her steps don't sound like they are. Like usually in the red room, there's the the backwards shuffling sound. sound. Yeah, Yeah, and that didn't happen here. Um, But she unlocks the door for him, says as much, uh, and then leaves. Yeah. And Cooper goes in, uh, and once he's inside this room, he just peers around. There's a flickering light, again, of course. Uh, you know, a, a halogen bulb or something going off above him. It's fluorescent lights. Fluorescent lights, sorry. Um, and then he stares at the wall. And then the wall slides apart or dissolves. I couldn't tell. It was kind of a weird thing. And we see Philip Jeffries. Well, we see the bell jar thing that... I want to call it a Jeffries tube. That's the Trekkie in <laughs> yes, me that comes I up. But it's not, it. a, it's not a tube, though. No, but... Well, no. It, any sort of cylinder can be a tube if it's But it's, if it's closed off, it's not really a tube anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. It has to go somewhere. But it does go out. The out Jeffries, the spe- the Jeffries the teapot doesn't have quite the same ring. Yeah. Jeffries percolator? No. Jeffries tube. I, 
I appreciate. Anyway, so we get this this thing, in it, but it does have a spout on it, and there's steam or smoke coming out of it, and and it seems to be going into a, a circle, like a glowing yeah. orb like thing. Doesn't seem like it's in three dimensions, but it still feels well, important. And, it, that, and it's in black and white, which is yeah. interesting. Like yeah, yes, yeah. and it also seems to be in the same kind of room, if not the uh, like the same room from a different angle that Nido and American Girl were in yeah. in the mauve world yeah. or lavender world. Purple. Purple, whatever. Purple's the color most people would call. <laughs> um, so that so, that was interesting to me that, that it seems to link these two places from a physical point of view mm-hmm. um, just by virtue of being in the same Well, room. and I didn't see the teapot spout when I initially oh, saw really? it. I thought it was another bell. I was oh. like, oh, Jeffries is one of the bells in the White well, Lodge Well, and now. it does look like a bell. It just has a spout it on it. It has a spout so, now, so too. It, I've seen some people discussing what Jeffries actually is. If Jeffries has transformed or evolved, to mm-hmm. use the terminology that Twin Peaks is using, yeah. you know, the arm evolved into a tree. Um, Je- did Jeffries evolve into something else? So mm-hmm. did he evolve into this bell? Yeah. Did he evolve into electricity? I've seen that. Yep, that's been a comment. But I do feel like that's more than that. Like, he, he seems like he, if he is the steam slash smoke inside that machine... That's what's used to power electricity. Yeah. So if if we're looking at, at Jeffries evolving into the thing that powers the mode of transportation for the Lodge Spirits, uh, I feel yeah, like, like we're that. looking at Jeffries as, you know, to, to go back to season two and the concept of Dugpas and being able to harness the power of the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. If Jeffries is literally the steam that powers the Black Lodge, yeah, that... That seems to me to be a much more important thing than him simply being electricity or him simply being the bell. A pot, yeah. Or a teapot, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny to say that, but it's, I don't <laughs> yeah. think that's actually what it is. Yeah. I, think, I think he is the steam, right? Yeah. Or the, the Well, and it's interesting because, I mean, the steam's pouring out and then it, it gets, yeah, it gets caught in this circle and it's almost well, like it's being recycled. Yeah, because it, it, there are scenes that are, it looks like it's backwards. Oh, like it's going okay, back okay. in and then coming out or at least it's circling yeah, unnaturally yeah, 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 backwards, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not Which behaving would, the way smoke would if it's just normally dissipating. Very similar to Andy's and and the the incense that we saw last time. Yeah. Um. In the black and white the, world. Yeah. Uh. So they do discuss a couple things. Cooper does ask, uh, "Why did you send Ray to kill me?" Mm-hmm. And he does not answer. Jeffries no. says, "I called. I called Ray, and I can't tell if it's a question mark at mm-hmm. the end or not. I think the subtitles no, put as a question mark. Yeah, but, but I think it's it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I think the point of this is that they're both confused about. Yeah. They've both been played. Yes. I think somebody has been calling Cooper and somebody has been calling Jeffries and th- they haven't talked to each other in a while. Yeah. And so who is that middleman? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really sticking on this that it that it's got to be Mike. Yeah, it or could slash be. slash Philip Gerard. Yeah, it absolutely could be. I He's mean, been working to try and save Dougie Coop. Yep. He's been working clearly against, working yeah. against Mr. C. Yeah. Uh, has he also been working against Jeffrey? Have they been trying to pull Bob back into the lodge? I really think that's the... The other one is, is people have said Albert. Yeah. That and that does make sense considering that Philip and Albert did work together at some point. And maybe yeah. Albert knew something was wrong and was trying to fix this without letting anybody else know. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think Mike, uh, his motives line up the best mm-hmm. of anything. I mean, the fact that the whoever was talking to Cooper said, I'll be back with Bob, really feels like Mike. Yeah. Um, and... It would make sense that he's been he. We've seen him pulling strings. We've seen them from Cooper slash Dougie's point of view yeah. for the most part. But if he can do all this for Dougie from far away, why can't why he can't also? He do also, it for also Mr. Yeah, C exactly. Jeffries. Since time is you know uh, a fluid commodity here, you know he could have sent he could have set up Ray 
three months ago sure. to call to try and kill Cooper as yeah. soon as he can. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it, doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter when any of this happens. If yeah. you if you're a lodge spirit, you can do whatever you want, right? So it's also interesting that two hundred fifty or half a million dollars. Um, is the number that we're steadily approaching that they stole from uh, the Mitchum brothers. Right. And half a million dollars was what uh, was promised to Ray and Daria. Right. Uh, so, I mean, we've seen that number grow yeah. <laughs> in the in the, in the the text. Which a lot of people have said is evidence of multiple timelines. But if, if we are approaching $500,000... Yeah, for some reason, uh, yeah. that it would be interesting that those line up. Yes. And that that's why uh, when he first arrived out of the, the lodge... Uh, Dougie Coop was sent to win these win this money. Sure. It wasn't just to pay off the bookies. It yeah. could also be to some other purpose that yeah. Mike had. Yeah. So uh, there's yeah, a possibility like that. there. I like that. I like the cut of your jib, Aiden. <laughs> um, but it really does bother me that uh, we don't get we don't get. I don't think we're going to find out anything more about Ray. So no. Did was it Jeffries who called Ray? Because here he doesn't he doesn't say I didn't call Ray. You know, he, he doesn't deny it at all. He says, I called Ray. And again, the question mark's not really clear. So I, I, I'm really not sure if... Because presumably uh, Ray heard that Jeffries was at the Dutchman uh, and that's where Cooper's now gone. So how did Ray hear about this if he's not talking to the real Jeffries? Well, you answered your own question five minutes ago when you said Mike has been organizing been all organizing of this. It. I guess. So, okay. mood point. Mood point. We'll move on. Um, We're the, move the, on more, the more interesting thing is Judy. Yes. Yeah. So we get another flashback to that fire walk with me scene where Jeffries met Cooper back in what Cooper says or what Mr. C says was 1989, but which in fire walk with me was 1988. Yes. So the time has been fudged here for some reason. Um, and then we get Cooper asking, uh, Mr. C, we get Mr. C asking the question, who is Judy? Mm-hmm. Which is a question we've been asking for many, many years. Yeah. Did we get an answer? No. Well, Fuck no. Well, we did. Though. <laughs> did we? We, we did. Uh, he said, why don't you ask uh, sure. Judy yourself? And then he spits out the numbers here. I'll, I don't know what he says, but he... Yeah, the numbers the numbers that he gives, he says, why don't you ask Judy yourself? And then he, he the numbers float out of this teapot. Yeah. And this is where I'm... My corroborating evidence. Yeah. It's 48 degrees, 55.1 or 55... One, it's it's the same starting coordinates mm-hmm. that As were on Diane uh, that Diane saw and that were on Ruth Davenport's arm. Okay. So and they do lead to Twin Peaks. Okay. So uh, Jeffries is giving him the coordinates to someone in Twin Peaks. So mm-hmm. what you said in past episodes of our podcast that the coordinates could be leading to a person and not a place seem to be holding out yeah, because be. these coordinates seem to be leading to Judy. To Judy. And Jeffries does say that you've met her. You've met her, which is the interesting, so who most has, interesting thing. So who has thing. Mr. C met? Well, see, you're saying Mr. C, but earlier, the other really interesting thing, there's a lot of there's a lot in this scene. Uh, the other interesting thing is he confirmed, oh, so you are Cooper. Which Yeah, I, took, I, I which, didn't know if you were going to bring that up because I didn't want you to because I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah, so the way I interpreted it, and you can tell me what you think, but the way I interpreted it was that uh, Mr. C is a part of Cooper. Yeah, okay. And Jeffries is just confirming that. Yes, you really are a part of Cooper. Yeah. Basically, you are you are the Black Lodge version of Cooper. So um, you are the same person the that same person. I You're, met to the yes. same person who we, has we, all those memories. Yeah, we have all these memories and stuff like that. Um, hmm, okay. Yeah, so that's the way I interpreted it. Now, uh, if that's the case, then who has Cooper met? Cooper's okay. met everybody, yes. basically, in town. He's met all the important so, characters. So, Judy is Nadine. Calling it no. now. That's No? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nido is a very good possibility, yes. especially with the uh, the monkey sounds. And yeah. There was a connection with the monkey earlier. Um, 
John Thorne, of course, uh, published an article many years ago yes. uh, saying that Judy was Laura. Yes. And I think I, my initial thought right away was it's Laura. Who yeah. is who is the one person that yeah. Cooper has met? Yeah. He's met her in a dream. He met well, her in a it, dream initially. Well, and it sets initially. her apart from everybody else that he's met. Because, I mean, yeah, people are saying, oh, you know, Judy could be Josie. Judy could be Sarah Palmer. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people that he's met. But I think if, if he could have met Sarah... It means that anybody he's met is is open. But if you're trying to narrow that down, Laura is really the only person that he's quote-unquote met in a special way. It's also, uh, if the coordinates are pointing to a person, it's fulfilling uh, Doppelkoop's, or no, Dougie Coop's, sorry, his instructions to find Laura. Right. Uh, you know, if that's where everything yeah. is heading, is, is uh, the location of Laura, then... Then yes, it is Judy for Jeffries and Doppelkooper. Yeah, but for everybody else, everyone else, for all it's, purposes, it's, Laura. it's Laura. And yeah, yeah. And, and Lynch loves his his double names, giving characters two of names, course. giving them two appearances. Even Maddie and and Laura had that. Um, so well, and and I mean another interesting point in favor. I I, I am a thousand percent in agreement at this point. I wasn't before, but after this episode, I really do feel like. Judy is Laura. Mm-hmm. And I think the the other interesting point that Joel Baco brought up online today in a conversation mm-hmm. was that um, in the film Vertigo, the Alfred Hitchcock film Vertigo, yeah. which is another Lynch favorite, yeah. an important one, yeah. um, Kim Novak's character, the double character that she plays, mm-hmm. is Madeline and Judy. Those uh, are the two names. So for uh, for Laura yeah. Palmer, for Cheryl Lee to be playing a character named Laura, yeah. to be playing a character named Maddie, yeah. and to be also referenced as a character named Judy, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And we see other references to some film noir in this episode, too, in, in part 15. So I'm running with it. I think you're right. I think Judy is Laura. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that Mr. C thinks it's Judy He's maybe going to be thrown off the scent of Laura, yeah. and that might be the the thing that allows Dougie Coop slash Real Coop to get to her first. And it would also make sense that uh, Phil Jeffries found. He said he found something at Judy's right when he went to uh, the, back in Firewalk yeah back in Firewalk with me, yeah. right? Uh, and we know that Laura's house <laughs> is is a portal to something, right? Uh, the way Sarah acts, the way the fan is. Uh, there's there's something supernatural at Judy's. Yeah. If it is Laura's house, so um, yeah, there's 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 definitely something going on there. I mean, I mean, let's face it. I mean, Sarah's house was the central of of or oh, Sarah yeah. and Laura's house is the center. I mean, they had Laura who has some sort of supernatural abilities. Had Bob in Leland, Leland. and it has Sarah and Frig- as the Frigga girl potentially. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not, even if she isn't the Frigga girl, she's, she's got, got something. something going on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there was so, something yeah, going on. Judy's at that house. house slash. The Palmer House is, yeah. is the locus for something. Yeah. Uh, so Cooper, or Jeffries disappears, and a phone starts ringing, and Mr. C picks it up and is transported outside. Back which to is where he went. Back to, to where, yeah, in, in, outside of the convenience store. Yeah. Um, so he, there's nothing online. It's a dial tone, so he hangs up. Well, it's got a weird stuttering thing first, Yes, of course, it does, yeah. Well, know, it's, it's, I think this is, that's again. just the sign that, that people or things have been transported through the lodge. Yeah. So the phone line act is, acted as that conduit it's to like get him Matrix. out. It is a little bit like yeah, the Matrix. I, like I think it. that's that's been brought up a couple of times too. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, Mr. C is jittery because he's just come out of that lodge space, which mm-hmm. is, um, I think, how all those characters that we've seen jitter or yeah, jolt yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it seems like that is an indication that they've either been in touch with the lodge or they've been through the lodge or something, which really backs up John Bernardi's timequake theory mm-hmm. that um, that the lodge interferes in space time around the people who interact with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so Mr. C's there, he hangs up the phone, and then he has a gun in his face instantly. And who is it? Who has the gun in his face? It is his son, Richard Horn. Little Dicky. Little Dicky. I recognize you back at the farm. You're FBI. How do you figure that? Because I've seen your picture in your fancy FBI suit. Don't come any closer. Where'd you see that picture? My mom had it. Who's your mom? Audrey Horn. And your name's Cooper. He still, I mean, Mr. C still kicks Richard's ass. Yeah. But he does ask him to come with him. <laughs> So, and Richard goes with him. Yeah. So it's it's Richard, again, in the beta male position, yeah. or even Omega male well, position at this yeah. point. He's a he's, kid once yes, again, yeah. exactly. just like Red, in, he's in the kid in the face of this other bigger character who um, then becomes the, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, has abducted him from the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the recognition that dawns on Mr. C's face that confirms, I think, for everybody watching that... Well, I didn't see any confirmation. He did, I think he cocked his head like he knew. He's like, oh, his mother is Audrey Horn, yeah. so this must be my son. And that's what he's... That's the recognition that he... Yeah, but I didn't see it on his face because I don't think oh, Mr. I C thought, no, I reacts to I much think, of anything. No, but I think there was something there that, okay. that indicated... I, wasn't, that I didn't watch was, him very closely because I was really more focused on, oh my God, yes, we've confirmed this theory finally. Um, but either way, they, they go off together and, and have that father-son bonding trip. <laughs> well, yeah, and they, he says, we'll talk on the way. Yeah. <laughs> like Just like, yeah, we're just going to have a, a good old fatherly son throwdown. Um, but then we also get one last important piece. This is when the Las Vegas made message was yes. sent to Diane. Uh, so we see Cooper text it, Las Vegas question mark. And well, what? the time on his phone doesn't match the time that Diane received that that well, that's text. fine. He doesn't have to receive it. I'm saying I, I still think that there's a conduit. He's sending a message to someone who then relays it to Diane. There's too much that doesn't match yeah. up. Like Diane receives all Fair these enough. messages as iMessages too, mm-hmm. and Cooper or Mr. C is sending them from a non-iPhone. So well, I mean, even the last one, uh, he sent the first message uh, around the dinner table, yeah. and then he had Hutch shoot the shoot the the phone that yeah. it was sent from. Right. So. Yeah, obviously these messages are going to a third party. Yeah, um, because yes, you're saying that that phone wouldn't then show up. As yeah, a how thing. would he have gotten yeah, the yeah, response, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but no, he's just accessing the server or something yeah. like that. Uh, Which makes me think that Diane maybe isn't working for Mr. C. She's working, she's working for, working for the, the intermediary, and maybe they both. Jeffrey. Do they both not know who they're communicating with, or does one of them know? Yeah, and maybe. Yeah, is Diane that's a, good a double point. agent? Either way, they drive away and the convenience store stutters out of existence mm-hmm. in a shot that reminded a lot of people of the scene in Lost Highway with yes. that, that yeah, building that's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's it's clearly another motif that's that's been brought in from previous Lynch films. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to another four shot, but it's a four shot that we've never seen before. Yeah, we get a waterfall we've never seen yeah. before, yeah. and we um, we focus in on a man. We don't know who he is at first. We don't know who he is right now. But he's walking his dog through the woods, and then we cut to Gersten and Stephen uh, huddled beneath a tree. and At at the base. At first, Uh, it seems like just Stephen is on some kind of bender or coming down from some real big drug high. Real big high, yeah. 
Um, and they're they're mumbling, and it, well, like, he's mumbling. She, you can she hear can what make she's a saying, but, it, clear, but nobody even, could make out what Stephen was saying. No, I mean, uh, without a, subtitles. Yeah, yeah, so with the subtitles, it becomes clear that he is going to commit suicide, and but that he he's convinced like that he's, he's done, done something. something. Yes, um, and it's interesting because it's the exact same gun. Uh, screenshots of at least the same model of gun mm. that uh, Becky, had? Becky did have. Ah. So either he returned home and got the gun after she'd done something, after she'd shot at them, or perhaps their identities are melding because the multiple universes are collapsing. <laughs> I don't know. But in any case, he's convinced that he did something. Uh, Gerson's trying to talk him down, saying, no, you're just high. She says she did it. You didn't yeah, do she, anything. Yeah, she, she didn't did it. she did it. Um, not Who is herself. She? Yeah, yeah. But presumably Becky. Yeah. Uh, would make, be the one that makes the most sense. And then what did she give you is another thing that comes up, yep. which implies something else entirely. Yeah. <laughs> if they are talking about Becky. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the other things that he talks about are the rhino, the lightning in the bottle, uh, which are nonsense phrases, but in the context of some other roadhouse conversations where he talked about the penguin and the zebra, now we have a rhino coming into play. Um, it seems like these are the drugs talking for yes, sure, right? That's, so that's kind of what it sounds like. Because the other ones who did do that were the, the girls who were yeah. high at that, the roadhouse. Yeah. Um, or, well, they might not have been high then, but they, they at least were drug users. Um, and then he's he's talking about how he's going to end it. He's going to he's gonna put the bullet through his brain, yeah. through his head. He's going to put this thing here into here, and she's trying to stop him. Um, and then he tells her how much he liked fucking her. Yeah. But then he starts insulting her. He calls her a cunt a couple times. Well, yeah, he um, says he likes fucking her cunt, but then he calls her a yeah, cunt. It's yeah, very, yeah. very... And, and But the amazing thing through all this is the sound design. Because, again, unless you, until you turn the subtitles on, mm. uh, you really can't tell what... Except for that they're very distressed. I mean, the, the physical acting and the, the facial expressions are amazing. Uh, at one point, uh, Gerson just starts crying as she's holding his right. head because he's going to kill himself. Um but the sound design, there's like this this pulsing, uh, foreboding sound that's just overwhelming everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I don't think you're supposed to hear what they're saying at all. I mean, I think that the the dialogue is important, and I think it's worth mentioning. But yeah. um, really, I think you're just supposed to be overwhelmed by this palpable sense of fear and and angst that they're in. That they're, they are this close to the to the edge, and uh, and death is coming at them. Um, and it feels like the sparkle or whatever drug that they're on yeah. is really driving this. This is what an overdose looks like. Right. Little Billy Shakespeare or whatever the guy's name was. I don't remember. Sorry, names. You know, I'm bad with them. Um, but yeah, so I, I just thought that was the most amazing part. Um, He's mentioned something about turquoise. And oh. I wondered what if that meant anything to you. Like I said, I don't think the dialogue matters that much. But well, sure, it, it, feel, it feels like it's... I mean, if, if, if these words are chosen for me, a reason, they're not just put in there for nothing Stephen mentions these things mm-hmm. he says them he had to read those lines so I mean turquoise being a stone that that has been prized by many cultures as as a symbol of protection um or representing okay. the sky if he's if he's gonna um be like turquoise I think mm-hmm. is, is what he says um what what does that mean it, it seems like he's talking about going to, it, it, he, he was wondering what's going to happen to him after he dies yeah how yeah. I almost interpreted it okay um but, well, and it was interesting because the other thing that everybody did kind of hear was him say, I'm a high school graduate. Right. Which is kind of a reduction of his life. You know, he's yeah. just a high school graduate. Right. That's all he has going for him. And I felt like in one line that actually said quite a bit about not just his yeah. character, but, you know, about men in in this in this world. And frankly, in America at this point in time, you know, a man with a high school diploma 
is nothing. He can't get a job. He can't do anything. He can't support himself or a family. Mm-hmm. Um, he's reliant on the women in his life, uh, which is a reality for a, a lot of, especially young men who don't have marketable skills in this day and age, right? Well, I think anybody too, right? Yeah, it's, for sure. It's, but I mean, the, the the fact that he's a man makes it well a little bit. But I mean, just demographically, the the ones hardest hit out of the recession were often men in trades yeah, and stuff like right. that who are you know men without even trade skills yeah. who. Uh, had a really hard time finding work afterwards. Yeah. Um, and actually, the latest, this is really geeky, but the latest labor force statistics indicate that the upswing in uh, people re entering the workforce is almost all women. Right. So men are continuing to not not adapt well to the post, you know, in, well, in the post industrial economy. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. where, you know, not to get too political or anything, but that's where a lot of the Trump kind of uh, economic grabbing by the balls kind of thing is coming from is because there aren't men who can just pick be up like, and can't move. be just yeah. high school graduates and provide a, a middle class existence anymore that, right. that that way of life is kind of gone ever yeah. since the 70s right so yeah. it's it's as one kind of throwaway sentence from a character who's just in the middle of a of an incredible high but it really does hammer home that his life does kind of suck yeah. <laughs> i mean oh, yeah. we've seen it right yeah. we've seen him he's in a trailer with his wife who makes all the money for him mm-hmm. and he can't sell cars he can't uh do anything and he's he's beating her or being very mean to her yeah it's really really interesting to watch and then you get this this mention of the turquoise and what's turquoise 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 yeah. uh and where he's going in the afterlife really. mm-hmm. and, and that's you're right i thought that was really interesting because it's kind of a comparison between the two states that he could possibly be in right then yeah but then we do get interrupted. Yes. And the man walking the dog uh, appears and scares Gersten away. I don't know why she runs away. If Maybe she's so used to being yeah. in a hidden relationship that yeah. she runs. But I don't know. it didn't I, make any sense. I was worried for him and the dog. I thought that... Yeah, oh yeah. I'm like, the because there was more than here. one bullet in that gun. I know that we only saw him put one in, but there was one below it. Yeah. So um, he had enough bullets. He could kill both of them. Yeah, all three of them for sure. Or everyone yeah, there. Everyone, yeah. So Gersten takes off and we see her perspective. At, well, the man and the dog walk off. We see everything beyond that happens from Gersten's, or we watch Gersten's reaction to them. She's sitting behind the tree. We hear a gun cock and go off. So presumably Stephen has shot himself and mm-hmm. he's he's dead. Well, the fact that there's no scream, like right. if he's shot, my initial thought was he hides yeah. it behind his leg and you get a very close in shot of that. Yes. So I assumed that he was gonna, he, he shot, shot himself his, in the leg. Yeah. But then there's no scream. There's no, no. anything. And, so. and all we get is Gersten then panicking and freaking out, grabbing her hair and um, and then looking up to the sky in this this mode that Aiden, you you brought it up from like an art history perspective. She does seem like she's Saint Teresa in the yeah. throes of that ecstasy, yeah. you know. Just or, the just the pose, in her yeah. face. I mean, she mm-hmm. looks like her face is just built that way that she yeah, looks like a Botticelli esque yeah, yeah, or something, yeah. right? But yeah, it, it it does seem like she goes into this like meditative, contemplative again. Look up at the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tra- after after trans- Stephen has yeah. talked about the turquoise, maybe meaning the sky. Yeah. After seeing Ed and Norma's view of the sky, um, it's interesting that that that's where Gersten would look, mm-hmm. looking for Stephen, looking for her own salvation, looking for answers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's it's a beautifully again beautifully beautifully shot. It's, again, riveting to watch, mm-hmm. um, even though, again, you can't hear anything. Yeah. But um, we follow that. Uh, you follow Cyril Pons. Well, we find out it's Cyril Pons. Pons yes, yes. It's, it's Mark Frost in his cameo yeah. role. Yeah. I saw this more than once on Twitter, that, that, and I thought the same thing, and I feel so embarrassed that I thought this. 
But I'm like, oh, Mark Frost got a cameo. I wonder when David Lynch is going to get his. I swear <laughs> to God. And I saw it on Twitter. And I'm like, I'm not the only one. But I think that's really just a testament to how mm. Gordon Cole is so fully formed on screen yeah. that you don't even know it's David Lynch yeah. anymore. Yeah. Which is, I feel so stupid for thinking that. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, he goes and he tells Carl what he saw. And then the only thing we hear is Cyril say... I, either in that trailer or yeah, live he, in that he trailer. He lives in that trailer. The okay. subtitles say he lives okay. in that trailer. And they point to the trailer with the mug, uh, the hole in the window where the mug came out in the last episode we saw them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ominous oh. music. So everybody is now thinking that Becky's dead. And that, uh, oh. that Stephen killed yes, Becky. killed Becky. And that's why he's now... Exactly. Yeah, she did it. Would be oh, okay. I never. I did not even. Yeah. Consider so that. that's yeah. and I'm. I'm so against that. <laughs> Just instinctively, I don't want that to happen. But in the context of what we saw, I don't. I don't know what Carl is going to find when he goes into that trailer. No but idea. I'm scared it's not going to be a good thing. Yeah. So we go to the roadhouse. Roadhouse, and it's not over. It's, it's not, not over. the last roadhouse. It's not a scene. performance at the roadhouse. It's just the jukebox with the 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 clapometer. I don't know the plazometer, yeah. um, and we have the host introducing ZZ Top's sharp dressed man to raucous applause and, yeah, dancing, and dancing for everybody. Um, and to sharp dressed man seems an important thing for this episode because mm. if the end of the episode is true. Who is the sharpest dressed man in Twin Peaks ever? Cooper. Yes. Mm. So is this is this a signal that we have that we are going to see Agent Cooper, man. the sharp dressed man, come back to us? Could be. I always and thought it was James. I mean he's the coolest guy. So <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that one of the lines that in the song is new shoes. New shoes, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you know, Leo did kind of make a return. Well, and it's funny because I watching uh Dougie eat uh, the cake later yeah, on my yeah. comments like he's kind of the leo of this season yeah a little which bit which is true a little bit um but anyways yes we get the song going and then james walks up to renee and her husband chuck who's chuck yeah which is really interesting because chuck was the one whose truck was stolen by billy yeah uh, apparently, or maybe. Well, in the yeah. in the roadhouse scenes, anyway, we've had reference to Chuck. I think Chuck no, no, was we, also no, mentioned. Chuck in, was the one that uh, what's her name mentioned. Yeah. Audrey was talking about yeah. him too. So, and it was actually Charlie who told her about the truck being stolen yeah. and everything. So, yeah. so, so that's the first time we got this. But it's the first time we've seen Chuck. And but it does tighten out the, does. the relationships. Like I said, everybody is coming together. Even the characters we've never met before are now here. Anyways, James, interestingly can't read the room no nope. <laughs> starts trying to talk to renee uh chuck does not like it um when he confronts james about this james stutters and mm-hmm. he's really having a hard time talking well this comes back to shelly saying that he's a bit slower he's quiet he's now. quiet now after this this whole incident with the motorbike apparently he's been he's been um disabled in some way yeah i mean we didn't really get that in the other ones and he plays guitar pretty well sure because, I mean, he, again, plays for a whole band on just one instrument, which is really impressive. Yes. But uh, he, uh, but yeah, here it's, 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 it's quite very telling. It's very, yeah. yeah. He has a hard time. And then he just says, I like her. Yeah. <laughs> As Chuck rises from the booth and he and his friends start wailing on, on James. So. But luckily. Freddie is with him. Freddie's there. He has a His beard. own iron fist. Yes. Right at his side. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, who so, just clears the room. Just yeah. kicks everyone's asses. Well, but to such a degree that. Yeah. He's just. Tap, like taps them. Oh yeah, and then and then the music cuts out too. Yes, while so he punches it's, it. So it's it's important I think that this is not a live band. That mm-hmm. this is this is uh, recording on a CD player or a record or there something. There is no band. <laughs> no high band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that it's it's 
it's an electrical current that's yes, producing the music that is then being affected interrupted by interrupted by touch. I mean Freddie's glove is obviously a, a lodge object yes, or something yeah. right and so, so using when, its power sucks the power <laughs> from the room in order to give that power I, I really thought like the lights would like yeah, dim a little they bit they don't but, I don't think but but the, the music, music does, does does stop um, um and but yeah after he's punched them it's I mean they're they're fucked up oh yeah <laughs> his, like, his like Chuck is like it. foaming from the mouth and even it's, James says his eyes, eyes don't, don't look, look right, right. Uh, and that, that was the other odd thing about this thing uh, James looks really red faced when he's getting beat up and yeah. then he stands up he's fine oh well, that's just a scene thing I, I know I know I know but then also James is pretty level head he's like someone got all these guys 911 well I think James has been in enough bar fights he knows the <laughs> protocol at this point he knows to just call 911 so very true um, but he is very concerned he's contrite he says he's apologizing to Renee she doesn't seem to know what to do she's obviously well, yeah. concerned about Chuck yeah but she doesn't lash out at James either. Well, I no, because she was yelling at Chuck to stop course, when he started being at James, right? So but it's, um, clearly these two characters, Chuck and his unnamed friend, or maybe his friend did have a name in there. I didn't see, yeah. Uh, Skippy? Skipper. Skipper. Yes, because yeah. we looked up the actor. Yes, no. And his good. wife's name is Marianne? No, I'm just kidding. That was a Gilligan's <laughs> Yeah, Gilligan, reference. yeah, I got it. Uh, so... Um, but yeah, so that scene ends with with are these characters now? I mean, you yeah, know that the police on. are going to well, get called you know, and when I bad things are going to happen saw them for James. Foaming at the mouth, I assumed that one of these characters was the ones in the cell because they oh. they'd also been arrested and that we were catching that later on. But it's not because when we go to the James and Freddie do go to the cells. And you thought that Chuck and his friend were yeah, one I of thought, the guys. Yeah, I thought because they like got Billy punched in the face and, and he was all messed up oh. and he'd been touched by the lodge, so he'd just be repeating things. But it wasn't. Uh, so we go to Las Vegas. Yeah. Another great FBI scene. Comedic timing. Yep. Par excellence. Um, <laughs> so the Joneses have been brought in. Douglas and Jean. And their kids. Uh, plural. <laughs> plural. Oh, Wilson. Gosh. It's just, it's great. There's one, one more do you need to see, except for the kid who screams when they open the door. I, I mean, that was... Well, and the whole family is arranged in this amazing Lynchian yes. tableau. Like, yeah. this is this is pure Lynch. I love that that... This yeah. is the family. Everything's the just Jones framed family. just so. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's uh, so, yeah, they haven't found the right Jones family. But it, but it is encouraging that they know it's Jane and they know that yes. there is one kid. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're on the right track. They're on the right track. They're probably down to two or three now. So hopefully next episode. Uh, well, I, my, I think the next episode they're going to be visiting uh, Dougie in the hospital. <laughs> you <laughs> we'll said you weren't going to be predicting anything. I'm predicting. So quit predicting. Damn, I did. Uh, the next scene, we get Duncan Todd and Roger. Duncan. Poor Roger. I know. Roger's just Roger, a come in here. I can't get up from this desk. Yeah. Which I've never explained why, by the <laughs> yeah. way. What's going on with that? I don't know. We never find out. Because Duncan asks Roger about Anthony. They have no information about Anthony. This mm-hmm. conversation is going nowhere. But until Chantel comes in and shoots them both, uh, yeah. killing Duncan and wounding Roger... And, Leaving him to gasp and try Until she comes in and finishes them off. off. Um, and then she's and calling Hutch to say, yeah, fries, extra ketchup. Yeah, what kind of what kind of sociopath, psychopath? She's so... Oh, she is. She's, she totally is. She's the best one by far. She just, I think of all so, Lynch's psychopaths, she's actually my favorite. Well, and it's, it's an interesting and idea that, that here we go with, you know, a character who has this insatiable appetite for murder and torture... And Big Macs. And Big Macs. And French fries yeah. and ketchup. So yeah. it's it's Fast food. it's a maybe it's a an indictment on, yeah, of of appetites. Consumerism, appetite, American something. appetite. I feel like perhaps that is there because we get that in their next in fact, yeah, we go there well, right away, well, don't we? One second, because you were the one who noticed this that there is a glitch when Roger is shot. Yes. And we did I, I saw it too. 
I can confirm this. Aiden <laughs> is not dreaming this up. This one. This actually happened. Well, even even when she shoots Roger, the CGI is terrible. It well, looks, you mean Duncan. Duncan, sorry. Yes. Uh, like, it looks like... Oh, yeah. It's, digitized. Well, like, it's, like, his whole face has been Well, no, it, it looks actually digitized. more like... I'm going to blank on the name of the movie, but the one with the, the head explodes, the head exploding gif where he's sitting at the desk and his head explodes. I forget which film that's from. The gif always goes around like, if, no, you're not picking up on it. I, I kind of know what you're talking about, but I anyway, it's it. clearly a prop head that's been exploded open yeah. or Frank Booth when he got shot. It yeah, was yeah, clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. a prop head, yeah. um, but it doesn't matter because you just know that Duncan Todd is dead and Chantel was the one who did it. That's the important part. Mm-hmm. So, but it's only one of the double header, which we yes. find out. Um, yes, as she's leaving. Yeah. One down, one to go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, so we're not done in Vegas quite yet. But we go back to the jail, which this is where um, James and Freddie are brought in by Hawk and Bobby. And and it's the same night, presumably. Yes. As the night they brought Nido in. So right. Nido is in one cell. Chad is in another. Chad is a, and the, the drunk bleeding drunk guy is, is in, in the third down further. So and Freddie and James are put in cells seven and eight. Yes, um, maybe important. It may be important. Some people have noted that the numbers seem to be counting down. The important numbers that we see go from mm-hmm. ten to nine to eight to seven in this the, episode. The oh. nine and the, the number nine bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, could be. So if we're right. getting some kind of How I Met Your Mother countdown, <laughs> do you remember that episode where yeah, yeah, Marshall's I, dad died? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> that know if that's random, actually yeah. going to be happening, but, but it could be that we're yeah. getting some kind of countdown here. But it's, it's more important that we see James and Freddie acknowledge Nido. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really good point about why Freddie and his, his presence in that jail might be important. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, just, I'm just saying that now, yeah, like I said in the opening, uh, he is her glove Glove protectorate. He's got yeah. the Hulk hand and he's going to smash something, I think. Um, whoever is coming after. Whoever's coming after. Because presumably a lodge created protection symbol like this glove coming mm. from the lodge would be able to defeat a lodge creature. Yes, like so, Doppelgroup. Exactly. Who we know is super strong as well. Yeah. So, um, which, which does make me wonder if Nido is Judy. If she's the one that the coordinates are leading well, you to. And again, this time she gets starts chirping again. Chad tells, <laughs> screams to get them to stop because the drunk is rea- uh, repeating it. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, they ask about the drunk. Yeah. And Bobby says, just don't pay any attention to him. Yeah. Just dry- wipes it off. That makes me feel like maybe he is more important or yeah. he's not important at all. And Bobby is telling us the truth. Just just don't worry about it. Yeah. But um, her sounds definitely do sound very monkey-ish. monkey-ish. Uh, which was what Judy was associated with in Firewalk with me. So that's what I said last week. We have options. I'm just saying. We have options. You're you're very right again. Well, I could be right. I have no I have no yes, idea. Yes, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, so then we get back to Chantel and Hutch in a car, a van parked. Um, our friend Stephen Miller on Twitter has gone out and found. He's very good at finding these locations. I don't know how he, he found does that it. one too. Yeah, he found the location. Wow. It's it's parked down from the Stratosphere Hotel in Las Vegas. It's in a back alley. Um, I don't know what they're waiting for. It could be just that they went and got their food and parked to eat it. So they actually had to bring those two actors, the probably the most highly paid actors on the, on the staff, to Las Vegas for uh, like a thirty second well, shot. Well, they might have filmed. They they filmed quite a bit in Las Vegas. Yeah. No, I I so, know, but they've also been seen in like. The Dakotas and stuff like that. I'm just saying that's that's a lot of travel for. 
Well, they had a high budget. Point. Yeah, I, that's I mean, true. some of it went to the Lincolns and the the Apple computers and the product placement. Some of it came from that. You some, mean, yes. uh, sorry, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how they that's how they justified paying these, these yeah. actors because they got all this money for the product placement. And it was <laughs> all good. Biggest. Okay. Um, but they're discussing the finer por- points of the morality of murder, and I mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we get Chantal and Hutch. And, and they are kind of talking, they, you know, they talked religion in a mm-hmm. previous episode. Here they're talking about They've had know, the deepest m- conversations we've had in yeah, the series it's, so it's, far. It's interesting, the philosophical bents that they tend to go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not expect that much depth and, from well, sociopaths. Exactly, psychopaths. and where they arrive is, fuck them in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> really, basically, if the American government can kill people. I can do it too. Yeah. And, you know, and, then, and I hate these ketchup packets. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. I love the switch there. Yeah. It was It's it was just, perfect. it's, and then, but then they do talk about what a beautiful night is. Mm. And she mentions Mars. She spots Mars. So she's a learned individual. Mm-hmm. She can point out Mars in the night sky. She can also fix a gunshot wound pretty good. So she's, yeah, she's. But I, but I, I find it's, it you know, I have no connection to make here, but Mars is the god of war. Yeah, yeah. So are we, are we talking, you know, if you want to bring in or, Greek mythology. Okay. Or perhaps or we're going to see more astrological mentions in the next it few could be, minutes because we had jupiter episodes. we had saturn now we have mars yeah could um, be going through the planets maybe pluto not a planet damn it, damn it. but otherwise Neil yes. deGrasse tyson <laughs> okay <Close> so <laughs> still in las vegas mm-hmm. we go to lancelot court yep. we have uh janie e bringing dougie his chocolate cake mm-hmm. which is clearly his favorite thing in the whole world his Absolutely. whole world revolves around this chocolate cake he doesn't well, even recognize janie yeah. The only thing he says to her, she says, it, it's like our dreams are coming true. And he says true. true. It's the last word that he says. Interesting that he says that because yeah. um, what he's searching for his true self yeah. uh, is one way you can look at that. Well, I and mean, like uh, dreams coming true sure. would be, uh, you know, the... The dream of Cooper's exactly, return, right? Exactly, so. is coming true. So what do we see him do? He he moves the little salt and pepper shaker, which looks very much like the bell that Jeffries was in, mm-hmm. and that uh, he saw in, or that we've seen in, in the giant or the fireman's yeah, the fireman's room, room and everything. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And then he just starts pressing on the remote, yeah, like any true red-blooded American male just. Just pawing, pawing yeah. at the remote control, trying to get the TV to go on. Yeah. I'm kidding. But he does eventually get it. Yes. And what's and on the TV? Sunset Boulevard. Yes. Uh, we just watched this film. We did. With Eileen. Uh, we, we hooked up like a, a yeah, internet thing. Internet so thing. she yeah. played it on her computer, but we it was on our TV. It. Yeah. it was really cool. It was awesome. We're, we've just joined the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... What is the name? What what happens? Okay. Okay. So, okay. I'm so, so excited. What happens in the scene? Okay. So the scene that he watches is of one of the main characters, which is the the woman. She's a Norma Desmond. Norma Desmond. She was a Norma. Mm-hmm. Interesting character name. Uh, she was a Chet Desmond. Yeah. Exactly. Another one. Yeah. She's a she was a big star, and she's kind of on the wane because she's getting old, and that's what Hollywood does. She hasn't had a women. film in years and years, years, so she's engineering a comeback. Yes, and this is the director that she used to work with, Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, she says, "Yes, we're going to work on this picture together." Um, and then as she leaves, he says, "Get Gordon Cole." That elicits the biggest reaction we've seen from Dougie yet. I mean, maybe when he had his first cup of coffee. And the pie. Yeah, But yeah. this is maybe the third thing that it, it certainly triggers something. Because mm-hmm. he, he tries to pause. Well, he successfully so he pauses. pauses it and he stares at the screen a yes. little bit. And then from there, the electricity starts coming. Yes. And he pans across, the camera pans across his vision 
down to the electrical outlet. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I was grabbing Lindsay's arm. I'm like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. My prediction's going to be true. And it was not, as far as we can tell, because instead of going through the electrical socket right. and appearing in Twin Peaks, magically healed, um, instead he decides to do a little home remedy, uh, takes his fork that he'd been eating the cake with, um, tries to jab the 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 tines into the outlet. When he can't, he figures out that he needs to flip it and shove the back end of the fork in. And when he does so, he successfully electrocutes himself and shorts out the entire house. Uh, Janie is terrified and screams and calls his name and Sonny Jim's asking what's up. Um, small point of reference, most American outlets now, uh, you can't actually electrocute yourself that way. You have to connect both prongs right. in. Uh, but, you know, that, that's... Minor details, minor details. Uh, so what do you think has happened here, Lindsay? So I think this is this is going to be the shock that that jolts uh, the rest of everything back into to Agent Cooper. Uh, or it brings him back in, mm-hmm. in, in some way. Now, whether that means that he's going to come back and we're going to see him next in the Red Room or in the Lodge somewhere... Um, and he's going to have to go through some other, you know, transformation. Or whether he's going to wake up in Dougie's house with Dougie's wife and Dougie's child. And, and sing a little sleep talking head song. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. He does have a nice big car, too. <laughs> oh, my God. If that happens, I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to be so happy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I... I I know you wondered if maybe this meant that he was dead. Yeah, no, well, that was my... I mean, honestly, 120 volts or 110 volts usually won't kill anybody. Mm. Uh, that's why kids can yeah. do it and not die. In, in Europe, where they have 220 volts, it's really, really dangerous. But yeah. that's why usually they have the switches yes. above. We were wondering yes. while we were in Europe. Um, but anyway, so I don't think it killed him. Yeah. I've kind of reconsidered that. I'm, it's a possibility for sure. Yeah. But I, I kind of... I tend to agree with you that this is what's going to jolt him out. I also think it's why Hutch and Chantel won't be able to find him because right. he'll be at the hospital. You don't think they're going to find him? No. I Well, I think if they do find him, it'll be after the FBI arrives and the FBI is going to save uh, him from Hutch and Chantel. Right. Um, whether that's just the local FBI, who I don't have a lot of faith in, or whether they've... Yeah, Gordon and Albert and Diane yeah. and everybody around Because presumably, way. yeah, they could be on their way even if they haven't... Uh, located the the Joneses yet right. if the local affiliate hasn't found them yet they'd still be on their way to because yeah, yeah. they want to interview them when they do find them so yeah. um, I have a feeling yes there's going to be a showdown either at the hospital or it could be just in the house it could be yes Cooper wakes up right then uh, five seconds later and there's a knock at the door and, and it's the no- FBI while Chantal and Hatcher come in the back, in the back door, door and, and there's and a shootout or something like that yeah Sunny. I just hope that Sunny Jim and Janie yes. get off okay and there's something that scared me about that right uh Earlier, Chantel, when they were in the van, said, I haven't had a chance to torture anyone in a long time. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, please do not get a hold of Sunny Jim or Janie or something yeah. like that. Uh, I don't think that is what's going to happen this close to the end. I really but, hope not. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a conclusion coming pretty quick in yeah. this scene. Um, but I really hope it's... it's If they do the Talking Heads while the fire fight goes up, that would be <laughs> that would be an excellent lynch Once scene. in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next scene is uh is the big one yeah the big sad one that everybody has been talking about um margaret calls hawk and tells him that she's dying mm-hmm. and that her log is turning to gold yeah. 
And this seems like it has less to do with the plot and more to do with saying goodbye, Catherine saying goodbye to the the world, to her friends, to everything. Margaret saying goodbye to Hawk. Um, well, to Twin Peaks, to the and world, to Twin yeah. Peaks, yeah. So and and us saying goodbye to her. So I feel like this is this is a really important scene, but not necessarily from a plot perspective. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the theme of people getting old and, and exactly. dying. Exactly, we've, we've constantly knew was there. Yeah, and this is the the purest purest form of it. Exactly, and and seeing as how I mean they they couldn't have planned this because Catherine Coulson was was one of the earlier deaths that that hit this cast and crew um, during the making of this this mm-hmm. series. Uh, we later had David Bowie die, Miguel Ferrer died. Um, so this, in retrospect, feels so much more weighted because we didn't get a chance to say a proper goodbye to these characters. Mm-hmm. But here we have the chance to say goodbye to Catherine and to Margaret. And so that, I think, is why it's, it's hit people so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that the characters are, are getting to come to terms with this, or at least Hawk is, and we do see other reactions from the other uh, Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department staff as well. So um, they knew that she was dying. They scripted this knowing she was dying, which takes a lot of bravery on the part of Catherine Coulson mm-hmm. to to, to it, say yeah, those words, those knowing words. that you're in that position as well. Um, it's 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 a pretty incredible scene. It is. And so uh, this is just an anecdote that um, I don't remember where I first heard it, actually, but it was... It was how David Lynch came up with the Log Lady character. Okay. He was he was talking to uh, Catherine Coulson one day, and he's like, and remember they've been friends forever. She did she basically did all the work <laughs> on Eraserhead. So going back uh, to the very start, very start of his yeah, his, his film career. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they were really close friends. And one day he sat her down, and he's like, Catherine, one day you're gonna play a lady, and she's gonna have a log. <laughs> and this was in the eighties. This yeah. was in like eighty one or something, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he didn't know when it was, but he had this vision of her uh, in this role. And then when he was making Twin Peaks, he's like, yes, we need a log lady. And he, like they were writing the script and he's like, you know what? He was telling Mark Frost. I think that's maybe who I who I saw it from was Mark Frost telling the story. Um, but he said that Mark Frost was uh, or he told Mark Frost, I, I've got a character. We need to bring her into the show because this is the world that that she was made for. Mm-hmm. And. So really, I feel like this is her character was kind of integral to the world of Twin Peaks, and it was one of those initial things that created it the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so him saying goodbye to her, to the character, and that's why at the end of the episode it says in memory of Margaret Lanterman, not not Catherine Coulson, who was one of the earlier episodes. Um, this is the character that, in some ways, I think gave birth to the world and the supernatural part, especially. Sure. I mean, this was the first supernatural character that we saw yeah. was a lady with the log I was played for laughs but you know very quickly she became a, a portent of, of well, a very something central greater. character yeah right? yeah and so I feel like this was this was a very emotional farewell for for David Lynch as well mm-hmm. and it really really shows up here um, and it was yeah it was touching for everyone I I cried a little bit and, you're crying a little bit now yeah, yeah. it's sad it is sad and and I'm glad that we got to see it though because because it does give closure to that um, and and I like the way that it was done in the way that it wasn't, like, it didn't really have much to do with the plot. It was just a standalone thing on its own. She's not even holding the phone at the end. Yeah, it's yeah. like she's talking directly to the camera. 
Um, some people have, have expressed some concern about Hawk's reaction to her and that he's not really saying anything, but I think that's because the message isn't necessarily just for him. Mm-hmm. And yes, Hawk has been our conduit to hear her words throughout the return, but but it does feel much more direct in this way. She's talking to us. She's speaking out from the camera, much in the way her her intros in the mm-hmm. when these were on uh, Bravo yep. um, were her speaking directly to the camera. So this feels very much of a piece with that, and um, and so it has much more power in that sense too. Knowing the backstory of how her character was created, knowing how important the log was to her, she kept the log. Mm-hmm. David Lynch entrusted her with the log, which she kept in an undisclosed location with a humidifier, apparently. <laughs> and uh, and it and it's on her her um, grave marker oh, is yeah. a picture of the log. Oh. So um, it became a central part of Catherine as much as it was Margaret. Margaret in mm-hmm. the, in the story. Yeah. So it's. Um, it's a really beautiful scene, and I'm really heartened to see all the Twin Peaks Twitter avatars changing to Margaret and yeah. the Log Lady uh, pictures over the last 48 hours. Um, it's been really nice to see. Um, we do get a few little hints about the plot in her yeah. discussion. One of the important ones that she talks about is is for Hawk to remember the one under the moon. Yeah, on Blue Pine Mountain. On Blue Pine Mountain. And a lot of people have brought up the the map that Hawk had featured um, the picture of the it's the owl cave symbol symbol slash Mister C symbol mm-hmm. on his playing card underneath a crescent moon yeah. on on top of the mountain or between the two mountains mm-hmm. anyway is it between the mountains or on yeah top I think of it's them? between them yeah either way so I think we're gonna he's she's directing him for this to the towards the showdown um, on the mountain or somewhere mm-hmm. so. That seems like it is important to the plot. Mm-hmm. It does bring up some questions about when Hawk goes to Glastonbury Grove, which is a scene that we saw in part two. Mm-hmm. It has not happened yet, but we've seen other scenes of him walking through the woods and he's talking to Margaret on the phone. So if she's in the very next scene from this one, after Hawk says good night and goodbye to Margaret, he goes, the next scene is in the conference room and he announces to everybody that she's, that she's died. Yeah. So... I'm suggesting that those two scenes didn't happen back to back. That there was a period of time in between. That she might have called him one more time to go up to the mountain. Mm. Yeah, because he was looking for the one on Blue Pine Mountain. Yeah, right. And then yeah, he says goodbye here because this is probably her last scene that we're going to see in the chronology. The the, chronology of that where the show is being presented in. But he's saying goodbye to her on that night, but he'll talk to her again the next night, which is when she directs him up the mountain. Mm. And then two or three nights later is when Hawk calls Bobby and Lucy and Andy and Sheriff Truman to to the conference room to let them know that she died. Because I don't think he would walk into the conference room right away and say she died if he just heard her say, I'm dying. She didn't say, I'm dead. She didn't say, this is it for me. Yeah, but I mean, he does say to her, um, goodbye, Margaret. Sure. Instead of... Yeah. Well, he says good night. He gets his good night, Margaret, and then goodbye. afterwards, yeah, he says goodbye. And I, I understand that, but I, I just think in in terms of the plot, if we were going to fit this in, um, unless we don't have to fit this in, this yeah. could be an extra scene um, outside of the plot that is just there. Yeah. If you want to talk about fan service, mm-hmm. this would be the perfect one to be that. Yep, yeah. it's so. and it's definitely a possibility. 
So we go to our becoming the standard. <laughs> Audrey, then the roadhouse. Yep. So the, first we have Audrey. She's ready to go. She's done waiting for the phone. She's done waiting for the phone. Which even is interesting. Though, she yes. never was waiting for the phone. Well, she was, but then Charlie called Tina. Well, oh yeah, okay. So, so she's so done. She doesn't have to wait for the phone anymore. Yeah. But she's tired of waiting for it still. So she's getting. She's obviously quite confused. Um, and then it gets exacerbated because she she realizes that Charlie has his coat on. So they're ready to leave the house, but she doesn't want to. She doesn't seem capable of. Yeah, really. What that's what it boils down to. I mean, Charlie says, "Well, put on your coat and we'll go." And she. She sidetracks him. She says, wow, you're such an asshole kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I, I'm finally seeing you for what you are instead of just putting on her coat and going. Like, right. She's stopping herself from yes. meeting the requirements Manufacturing for Manufacturing reasons yes. to not leave the house. Yes. Um, so she, yeah, she braids him a little bit more. He's like, okay, fine. I know you like, like she says like, I, when Billy takes me out, I, I love it and you suck and all this stuff. And he's like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm Billy. No, I'm, or, Charlie, I'm Charlie. You're he, Billy. He's Billy. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. Um, and he says, okay, well, you have one second and then I'm taking off my coat. Uh, she keeps talking. He takes off his coat. And then she rushes him. Yeah. She's, she starts choking him on the couch yep. and telling him how much she hates him. It reminded a lot of people, myself included, of the scene where Richard attacks Sylvia. Yes. And is choking her. It's similarly. Yeah, yes. very similarly. Yeah. So um, it, it lends more or puts more fuel on that fire that she is, these are coded somehow, that mm-hmm. she's... Um, or that she's in some kind of altered state and is reacting to things that are happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're always played opposite a roadhouse scene is is really interesting too. Because um, the can we go to the roadhouse scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing else that happens in Audrey's no, scene. no. It's yeah. um, well, there's one. Can I just make okay, a quick sure. mention? Sorry, uh, she repeats her thing of of changing people yeah uh, she says it's like I've never seen you before it's like right. you changed right before my eyes yeah yeah which is, again is kind of what she said earlier I don't know who I am yeah. right now and stuff um, so I feel like yes it adds maybe to the mental instability or altered state. altered state of some sort yes sorry go on uh, you know, no it's fine because I think the, the roadhouse stuff is again given more weight because of the, what happens in this scene we get um, an actress who's credited as Ruby mm-hmm. in the credits mm-hmm. played by Charlene Yee who is forcibly removed in a in a not mean way, but she's lifted out of her seat and put on the floor as these bikers take over the booth. Yeah. And she crawls through the crowd and screams yes. as lights flicker and it's like the 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 lodge strobe effect kind of. But in a way that that reminded a lot of people of um, Agent Cooper crawling towards the, the light socket and I've or the electrical socket and I've seen the two scenes played um, side by side mm-hmm. and there are some overlaps where he sticks the fork in and then she starts to scream yeah. I don't think it's an accident that these scenes yeah. are played this way and it's interesting that her name is Ruby and the Ruby slippers are what help Audrey or sorry the yeah. Ruby slippers are what help Dorothy yeah, travel to Oz and get home yeah. And the shoes are what Agent Cooper was missing when he left yep. the lodge. Yep. So I'm I'm really starting to think of the Roadhouse scenes as not being part of the same reality that the characters are part of. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's complicated by some of the interactions that we've seen. Well, just this episode with James, right? Yeah, like, exactly. But. Um, but I think that these final, the end Roadhouse scenes are important in another way in that they, they mirror images or mirror scenes that we've already seen or that we will see. Um in other ways. Maybe the two drugged up girls that we saw, Sky Frere's character, mm-hmm. maybe that was 
related to Stephen and Gersten's yeah. scene. Um, maybe the conversation that was happening with the the trucks and the car accidents is going to ha- is going to come back in a future episode. Mm. But I think that by playing Ruby and Cooper in this way um, really does line them up in that Wizard of Oz kind yeah, of yeah. theme. Yeah. And again, John Bernardi wrote a really fascinating article, a couple of them, about the Wizard of Oz and the links between the return of the Wizard of Oz. We'll throw those up on the SoundCloud page because I think they are worth looking at. Um, we know how much David Lynch loves the Wizard of Oz. Sure so does. if that is the case, then I, I do think we are going to see Agent Cooper return in the very early part of Makes the sense, next so. the next scenes that, that, Agent Coop, or that Dougie Coop is yeah, in. Yeah. He won't be Dougie Coop anymore. Okay. I'm hoping. I'm hoping so too, but I was wrong this time. Although, you know, it's interesting, a big part of the reason I thought uh, Cooper might come back was the three and the 15 in mm-hmm. the purple world. Mm-hmm. Um, Nido made death sounds Slashing around motions, the 15 yeah. and then Cooper fries himself on 15. So perhaps there was <laughs> a thing there. Be. We just didn't, we didn't interpret it, it quite right. Um, but yeah. So I wanted to bring up the the song that's playing. The Veil song is called Axolotl. And axolotl is the name of an amphibious creature that's native to Central America and um, takes on uh, mythical connotations within the the Aztec culture. Um, He's named, or he, it it is named for Zolotl, who is um, a godlike figure in ancient Aztec culture. um, Related to Quetzalcoatl, who is another, the god of the... The like morning star, I yeah. think, is is, and then Zolotl is the god of the evening star. Oh, okay. And one of his um, kind of animal entities that he's mm-hmm. associated with is this uh, Axolotl character creature. Okay. Um, but it's interesting that that Zolotl is is uh, a god that is associated with destruction and disease and misery, mm-hmm. and that Axolotl is the name of this song. Axolotl being um, kind of the animal representation of this god of misery death and destruction Mm. and disease and everything we've seen so much disease and misery come to fruition in twin peaks so this is the first time that i've really thought of the roadhouse scenes like we said as being kind of um taking on extra connotations it really makes me want to go back and listen to the lyrics and look at these songs in a different light because a lot of them have been written for the show they're not existing songs they they were created for this production Mm -hmm. Which means that it's possible that David Lynch gave them some kind of indication of the, the direction that he wanted these songs to go in. Um, or yeah, the feel. The feel least, that they wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So lyrically, they could be filled with import. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something interesting I just yeah. Yeah, wanted no, to bring sure. up. So then uh, the final credits, it's not in the roadhouse. It's it's of the... Uh, uh, yeah, the, lodge, motel. the motel uh, area. And yeah. right before the end, it cuts to... Uh, not a creepy shot at all, but it's the bosomy lady uh, just off in the distance. Really creepy in a white, like, nighty. Man, that's some nightmare fodder right there, I have to say. It um, was a little bit creepy. I, I, I keep expecting David Lynch to do jump scares, yeah, and I know yeah, that he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I know that that's not no. really his thing. But you feel like they but could have. But you feel happen, like yeah. this woman is going to just, like, there's going to be, like, a flash of lightning, and she's going to be right in the front, screen, yeah, you know? Yeah. But. Um, but she's not. It's just a. It's a just there. Figure. It's it's waiting for you constantly. Which which has led some people to believe that maybe she's Judy. Yeah, well, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, sure no. Seriously, I mean, the way to go. But you, you've met her just five seconds ago, buddy. You, you just met. But Judy. the fact the fact that she's standing there um, as the credits roll past is yeah it's disturbing. It's very disturbing. I will very disturbing. Give that.
I will tell you three things. So we've asked John three questions. He's given us three answers. <laughs> Yay, I win. You're doing my intro. Because they're all there is. And you know what? I have to say, we started off with these questions could be anything. And all we've been giving John is like the hardest questions to answer. Yeah, I know. And he like is risen to the occasion every, every time. single time. So even we if, have to... Even if he's not 100% confident, it comes across like he's like, yes, this is what's coming. So props to John once again. Big time props, um, John. In addition to helping us out, he's also helping out Sparkwood in 21. And he's doing the 25 Years Later podcast roundup. Um, the, the man is a machine. Uh, yeah. Seriously, yeah, seriously, cannot give him enough go props for this. Thank him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. JPB. At JPB underscore little green. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just shower yeah. him with praise yes, and he love. Deserves every he bit of definitely it. deserves it. Yeah. Uh, so the first question we asked John was Is this the end of Ed and Norma's story, or will we see more twists and turns coming? John reassuringly replied, it's the end of Ed and Norma's story. How is that now. reassuring? Because this, this is a positive. Ends? It's a positive. Yeah. It ends on a high point. I guess. One of the first of many ends uh, on the return. But I think they'll be around at the end for a Shelly and Bobby wrap-up scene. Mm. I hope. And let's see Betty Briggs one more time too, right? God, yeah. She's dead. Oh, God. Why would she be dead? Betty Briggs? Oh, Betty. Oh, no. I was Becky. thinking of Becky. Oh, Aiden. <sighs> Gave myself a heart attack there. I'm going to start calling you different names just to see how you <laughs> like it. I'm really sorry. I try. I'm just terrible at it. I hope we do see Betty again, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping some people have said, oh, we'll get a wedding. Maybe there'll be a wedding, and that will be the final scene, and Agent <laughs> Cooper bursts in, you know. No, it's it's probably not going to really happen don't that see way. That, but, but. but it would be nice to see some of these characters come together in some grand fashion. And a wedding would be appropriate, given the Milford wedding, but... You know, no, that was a low point for the whole. It series. was a low point, but I'm saying if we can, you know, re- revive it in a way uh, that is better. No, let's not. Okay. Second question: What happened to Stephen and Gersten in the woods? John says, "I think Stephen and Gersten had some kind of encounter with another reality, same as Jerry did. Though of course it went way worse for them. I would not be shocked if they think they killed someone, and if that someone is not Becky." Mm-hmm. And then Becky may actually kill someone on screen. It's tough to know, and I feel like since I'm working with as much context as they gave me in that wood scene, that I'm talking just like the Roadhouse scene people. I'm just glad that those two didn't kill Mark Frost or his little Boston, meaning Cyril yeah, Pons and his his, his dog. Yeah. I thought for sure that's where the scene wanted us to go, yeah, and that's exactly too. what we thought too. Yes. Um, but I think it would be interesting if if it's paralleled with the fire walk with me scene with um, Bobby and Laura thinking that they killed Mike, mm-hmm. but really they killed some rando. Yeah. Well, not a rando. We we, we know the who bad was, guy from yeah, yeah. from Deer Meadow. Um, if this in this scene they think they've killed Becky, but they've actually killed someone else, um, that would be. Well, the fact that Carl didn't like know there was he knew there's trouble in the mm-hmm. in that trailer, but he didn't hear a gunshot from the trailer no. where presumably they would have killed her. So. Uh, chances are they didn't and they're just high like yeah it's really hard to tell yeah but it's yeah. it's uh, cl- it's clearly linked with the sparkle or the, the drug craze that's mm-hmm. been infecting Twin Peaks and uh, and having confusion over who is dead mm-hmm. is is something very fitting for Twin Peaks so I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it went that way as well yeah third question when do you think the scene with Hawk in Glastonbury Grove happened this is one of the good question Aiden that was yours. Oh, obviously. it was my question. <laughs> yeah. Mine was, well, we wanted to ask John, who's Judy? But we're, he's, we're tackling that in many other ways this week, uh, especially on 25 years later sites. So 
You can read yeah, that. That's going to be detailed. a four. That's going to be a four-part debate that we're having on twenty-five <laughs> okay. years later. There's four different answers. I'm answering one of them. Okay. Um, and we've got three other people, yeah, including our editor in chief, Andrew, is stepping okay. up to the plate okay. to, to argue. So that'll be a really good one. If you guys are interested in who we think Judy is, so instead of tune in. instead of the big one of Judy, we're asking about timeline because you know that's a favorite of ours. And John's. Um, and John's. So John's response is. I think a lot of things in parts one and two happen near the end, and the parts between then and now are catching up to that point. Mm. In a perfect world, one half of an upcoming part focuses exclusively on Hawk and repeats his steps, this time in chronological order, from what we got to the Grove, to the Grove itself, or yeah, what got him to the Grove, to the Grove itself, to Gerard making a shoes handoff with him, which would be great, and then Margaret's last scene redux, this time showing Cooper's shoes next to him, Ending in the scene with the old guard having a moment for Margaret. Ah. Could be. And then Hawk and Andy rally everyone to find Cooper to reunite him with his shoes. How's all that for some fanfic speculation? I (laughs) I like it. Love it. John, you should write fanfiction. No, I I like that. It's kind of where I was going, that that some of this is happening in between and and that what we saw back then is happening, happening chronologically within the story of the show at the end, but happened for us at the beginning of viewing the return mm-hmm. and uh i th- i think that's absolutely yeah the case so final thoughts Lindsay. part 15 i you know i was i felt really panicky when we started this um i calmed myself with a little bit of scotch that's not gonna good. lie but um now that maybe the scotch has gone through my system <laughs> i'm feeling much more calm but we've talked about it and we've ironed out a few of the wrinkles mm. that i had and come up with some interesting things that i think uh, make me feel a little bit more at ease about where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, still very excited for three hours, part sixteen, and then the the two hour finale. So, yeah. um, what what are your what are your final thoughts? Have you yeah. changed your mind on any of these ideas or uh, any bold predictions? No, I'm no, I'm out of bold predictions. You're out of bold I'm predictions. just making regular old predictions now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, it was it was a really good episode. I mean, this is the thing now. These these final ones, even when they're like this one, I kind of complained at the start, saying, "Well, they didn't jam pack." quite as much as they did in the last in part 14 14 was just full and every moment felt intense and awesome right. and it was just moving all the plots along this one it didn't feel like it had quite as much mm-hmm. but at the same time there's nothing here that i know we can you could get rid of or, and it wouldn't impact something else i mean potentially you do need to settle at norma maybe not but maybe you do and even if you don't need to sell it for the plot is it important thematically mm. that, that love is going to triumph? Yeah. The, the, the fear that love is not enough, you know, Major Briggs' greatest fear can be put to rest or right. something like right. that, right? And I, I don't know where it's going. Um, and again, that's that's the best part of this whole experience has been, um, we talked with, uh, well, we were talking with Bex and Eason from uh, Time for Cakes and, Cakes and Cha- Yeah, Time for Cakes and... Cherry Pie and Coffee. Cherry Pie and Time Coffee. For Cakes and yes, yes, yes. I get the titles confused, of course. Uh, but yeah, we were talking to them about how the serialization of uh the return has been really important and that it's encouraged us to re-examine and and discuss and theorize Mm -hmm. it's it's almost it's impossible not to even people who are like oh i don't want to theorize find themselves theorizing anyway yeah they're 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 filling in the gaps it's what humans do when they're presented with information that they don't with a mystery yeah with a mystery yeah you fill it in as best you can and that's been really exciting and i've really enjoyed all of it so far i feel like the last three hours um, are going to answer some things and raise new questions and have theorizing yeah. for another 25 years, and that'll be awesome. Well, and it's it's interesting that the title, quote-unquote title of this part, was the, the There's Some Fear in Letting Go, mm-hmm. which obviously is something spoken by the log lady. 
referencing death and referencing the the transformation that happens with death that it's not the end it's just a a new beginning right which is a very buddhist eastern philosophy kind of Mm. way of looking at things i feel like that's applicable also to the return and the Mm. way that we're approaching it there's some fear in letting go of twin peaks and there's some fear of letting go of the return and when this comes to an end what are we going to do with ourselves well there's fear in that Mm -hmm. to an extent i think that there's some truth to that but but like Margaret says, and I think it's fitting that we're going to give her the last word here, it is just a transformation. Mm-hmm. And then this fandom, this community, this family that's grown up around this show is going to transform and move on into new things. And we're going to have more to talk about and we're going to theorize for years and years to come. Whether or not there's a season four, whether or not there's a film after this, it doesn't matter because um, this 18-hour movie is going to come to an end and it's going to come to an end in two weeks Mm -hmm. and then there's fear in that but there's also hope it's still it's still an exciting time to be a Twin Peaks fan good night Ha good night Margaret Goodbye, Margaret. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks, Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.